Coming up tonight, it's a tale of magic and mystery, fantasy and fun as we dive into the successful story that spawned the global franchise The Witcher. Up for debate tonight, the book club reads The Last Wish. This is Up for Debate, episode number 116, recorded June 14th, 2018. We read The Last Wish. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast where the two hosts agree on everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined as always by our own supernatural hunter man, Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hello, hello, Sean. How how's it going tonight? What what uh, what what's the last um, a mythical monster that you that you killed for money, Matt? Um, I was quite fond of the uh, there's a good old fashioned griffin. Mm, interesting. Interesting, yeah, but they're yeah, not. Are they I, usually like monsters? You know what I mean. They're, they're not usually well, portrayed as being bad, are they? I, I think you'll find. I mean, after reading this book, um, and if you've read um, any of our listeners out there have read any of the other books or played the games along with uh, that that it fit into this franchise, uh, you'll find quite often that the monsters are actually within our own selves wow deep stuff deep stuff <laughs> well matt you're absolutely right we're doing another book club episode here which is always a lot of fun when we do it on the show if people are interested you should go back in the archives at upfordebate.tv check out some of the other book club episodes we did we've read ready player one console wars was great um uh devil in the white city was excellent don't read of dice and men but do listen to the episode because it's a fun episode even though the book sucked um and now we are doing what i guess is our fifth book right uh, i believe so yeah excellent um and matt this you suggested this one the last mm-hmm. wish written by do you know how to pronounce his name i believe it's andrei sapkowski yes a a polish a author guess, yeah uh, the book originally written in polish and then translated to english um matt uh, why why did we read this book this week um, we read this book because I read this book probably about a month ago, and I really liked it. And we haven't we haven't done a fantasy book yet um, in our book talks. And and I I know that from our own private conversations, we often try to uh, we talk about diversifying our uh, genres with the yep. books that we read, and yep. uh, we try to be consistent with that uh, and make make sure that it's not going to be uh, books that are in the same genre every time we do one of these. So, uh, I know that, um, if we were going to to venture out into the fantasy realm, um, when we do these book talks, it would have to be a book that would have to, it would have to be a particular kind of fantasy book for, to get you on board. Um, cause I know that not, it's not just any fantasy book would do. So, uh, I wanted to make sure it was a really good one, and uh, this this is the only one I read that I think we could have a really good, lengthy, solid discussion on. Well, for the fans' so. sake, I hope so. Um, no, Matt, I'll say, you know, and thank you for that consideration. I, I've, I've made it clear, historically, I'm not a fan of fantasy books. Um, I was trying to put that put that lightly, but yeah, yeah. I just I don't I don't care for them. And Matt, I'm going to read you a couple things. So I did took my usual lengthy notes as I read the book. Some things I wrote down. The reason I like nonfiction is because it's set in a world I understand. That was one note. I also wrote. Um, let's see. Uh, I took a lot of notes, so I got to scroll through them. 
Um, fantasy books are written like Shakespeare. Cool premises, but completely unreadable. Um, and, and, and I just generally struggle with fantasy books, but Matt, I teased this to you before we got on the air. I learned something about this book after we read it that made a lot, helped it make a lot more sense to me. Because one thing I wrote is, is this what fantasy books are? A bunch of stuff just happens. Where's the narrative arc? And then I wrote later on somewhere in here where I said, well, why are we getting to Yennefer's backstory on page 272 of the book? Like the pacing of this book was baffling to me. But then, Matt, I learned something that you did not divulge to me before we read it. This is okay. not a novel. This is a collection of short stories. Now, I definitely believe, and, and anybody can go back and check that. I guess we didn't record it. But I definitely think I told you that this. this nope. the, I never nope. told you this at any nope. point. Nope. Really? I feel I feel relatively confident. And if you did, oh, I wow. certainly didn't hear it. So um, <laughs> it was a. And I, I was reading through it, and I'm like, like all these little stories are great, but they like they don't connect to each other. What is going no, on? It was so that, confusing. This book. So the backstory with this book is that um, Andre Subkowski uh, uh, wanted to write. I think he, he wanted to write books or graphic novels, some kind of medium that um, where, where he, he would be able to tell the stories that he heard as a kid growing up in, in Poland. Now, he, the Poland that he grew up in was um, troubled by the Cold War. It was troubled by the, um, the Soviet occupation. Uh, and so, you know, the stories, the culture of – of um, you know, of of Poland was kind of preserved in their storytelling. So, um, you know, for years he grew up hearing these these tale these fantastical tales of um, mythical creatures, of folk legends, and he wanted to create a, a world where all of those things come to life. So the first thing he did was he he just wrote a, a collection of short stories in the early nineties. After the fall of the of the Soviet Union, um, that kind of enculturated his his stories that 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 he grew up listening to, um, and that this book was the fruit of that of that project. Uh, it got very popular, particularly in Europe, all over Europe, and um, it was considered one of the first major uh, works to come out of a. Um, to come out of a a a, a former Soviet bloc uh, that reached kind of popular renown around the continent, so he decided to write a second book. And I, I will I will um, forewarn you that the second book is also a collection of short stories. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia um, told me. It's kind of a yeah, like a, a split anthology in a way. Um. And then the story arc actually begins with the book that I'm reading now, which is called The Blood of Elves. And that's where the, the actual story picks up. So who knows? Maybe in a future episode we'll be uh, going ahead and reviewing that book. Uh, but I, I, I really thought I warned you of this. This is not so – really? It's not I'm, something I'm gonna, I told you? About. I mean I'm going to say it's probably more likely that you did tell me and I just forgot. Okay. That seems highly likely. Either way, I did not know that. Because I think I don't know. I'm pretty good about taking responsibility I, for stuff like that. And but I'm I, taking responsibility I, I that I, I forgot. You. I've probably I mean, forgot. I don't know, but it's more fun to rib you that you did it. But I probably forgot. Yeah. So I, I, 
<laughs> this must have been very confusing for you as you were reading this. It was book. because it, like like the narrative part is like two pages and then it jumps into like an unrelated event and I like couldn't I couldn't I couldn't wrap and then for a while I was like is this cuz it was translated out of Polish that it doesn't make any sense? And I'm like no, that's not quite it. And then like I mentioned, I know a little bit about the video games and I and one of the few things I know is that Yennefer is a major character in the video games in the book. And so when we got to literally two-thirds of the way through the book until we get to her character, I'm like, what is going on? Like, there's no character development. So maybe we should mention to people, because I know sometimes people listen to this, but they haven't read the book. Um, might be good to give them a brief overview of the story. Um, the, the Last Wish here, following the main character. I'm going to mispronounce everyone's names because they're fantasy names. But um, uh, Geralt of Revia. Um, who is Geralt? A, that's what I said. Geralt. <laughs> Geralt, uh, who is a witcher, Matt, a witcher. Uh, that's where the name ca- came from. Uh, a, a person who is trained from uh, a young age to battle deadly beasts through the help of training and body modification to essentially be a monster hunter for hire. Um, and he goes around and, and whoops some ass on some monsters throughout the story. And as, as we've talked about, it is a series of short stories. So, um, how many would you say are in here? Maybe like six? Um, altogether, it's kind of hard to tell because there's so there is actually one there is actually one story that a is super kind of loose narrative. Throughout. Super like crazy loose. Uh, there there's there's definitely like him talking to the 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 nuns at the monastery, the priestesses. Yes. Like that's kind of and then what happens at the end? That's kind of like a like one long story that these other stories are kind of um, are kind of like mixing in but and out. All, of. They're all told as essentially flashbacks. One would say. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. And it, you know, it's it's very. I I enjoyed the way that it was done, the way that it was presented. It's like, uh, it, you know, the nun will mention something, and then he'll be like, it, you can really see like the gears turning in Geralt's mind, where he's like, oh. That reminds me of this. And then he every story is kind of like a tangent, basically. It's a, just a it's a long tangent that Geralt remembering something or Geralt telling the the one of the other characters that he's talking to about. Um Yeah, yeah I I struggled with the <laughs> format, partly because I didn't know what the format was, but also yeah. because to be fair, this we talked a lot in these book club episodes about Go, go one way or the other, right? Don't split the difference. And we said that with a lot of the books we've read. And I kind of felt this way where it's like either be a short story book and just say a bunch of short stories because while while the narrative thread at the the uh, monastery, whatever, um, was somewhat interesting, it didn't really add anything to the short stories. It really just sort of set a stage we never got to see, which is partly what was frustrating where it's like you're telling, like you're setting something up and we spend a few pages and we never get there. So I kind of wish the book had either just been short stories or had actually told a narrative story. Like I, I really, I struggled and I think it would have been easier had I known what I was getting into, but I still, even knowing now what I know really would have preferred they picked one way or the other. Cause, cause the, the monastery bits just did not do much for me. Mm. Um, yeah, part of that, it seems like, I don't know. It seems like, this whole, all of the backstory with Geralt, it seems that it's, I don't know, I, I don't want to say biased, but 
I mean, everything everything is told from Geralt's point of view, right? Oh, sure. It's, so, I mean, I don't want to say like you know unreliable narrator, but I, I just just from reading the third book as much as I've read of the third book, and and there's there's an interesting contrast between events that happen and the way that events are told mm-hmm. through these tangents in this book than you know in in Blood of Elves where things are happening and the characters are reacting to them. It's much more of a third person. Uh, retelling of events. So, um, you must have been really confused then um, when you're you get to like almost three quarters of the way of, of done with the book, and you know Geralt still hasn't left that monastery temple place, right? Like, yeah, you had to be wondering like, well, why is he still here? What shouldn't he be out adventuring instead of just talking this whole time? It, it literally took me, I think, three of the short stories to realize that was the format. Because then I'm like, but wait, the first one really didn't have anything to do with the second one. And I'm like, but wait, there's a third one? Like, the characters never cross over. It was very yeah, yeah, that's confusing. Another, that is another thing, is that you definitely don't um, you don't see any crossover. However, uh, what I like about this, what I think is a, is a positive for the, the format, is that it presents all of the characters here. So you don't have to, they don't have to spend any time in the third book, True. you know, reintroducing them. Well, you know, it could I'm be saying. like one sentence or I, two sentences. I think this book could be strongly improved by just beefing up the, the, the arcing narrative just a bit. Like, just give me a little bit, cut out one or two of the stories, put it in another book, but just beef up that narrative where either, either do a better job of connecting the short stories into the, the, the narrative piece or... I bring back some of the characters. I don't I don't know what it was missing, but it's just they felt very disconnected. It was very abor- it felt very abrupt as I was reading it. But that does, doesn't mean I didn't like it, but it just was not a format I was used to reading. Sure. Um but um now Matt, uh, one thing I do want to say, okay, cuz I, I got to talk about fantasy books for a second, okay? I've mentioned my general dislike of them. And one of the things that really frustrated. I wrote somewhere in my notes, this book needed about 30% less fantasy. It was it was just a little too much fantasy. And the one thing I can't stand with these types of books is the way they are written in respect to way too much detail on shit. Like there must have been, I was so tempted to go back and count every time there was a character who was named. There had to be over 100 characters named in this book. Every <laughs> paragraph was like, ah, oh, yes, I've has- visited the, the, the inn at, at Window Farm, and, and there, King so-and-so <laughs> from, from the region of this and the prince of that uh, ran into the, the festival of this. And then, like, these paragraphs where they would list, like, 20 things, and then they'd never mention them again. And I'm like, why? Are, why? Well, see, that's the lore of the world. But it's that's, that's it's how so you get to... detailed, though. That's what but I'm saying. Like, I'm never going to fucking remember. Who remembers well, this? <laughs> I'm on, like, in book eight, remember. and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the one king he mentioned in that paragraph in book one. It's kind of like... It's kind of like where, you know, to get yourself immersed in the story, right? So so if they if they left all of those details out, you know where what what kind of a world would your your main characters be in? They would just be in a like a regular could just be they could just be here. They could yeah. be in Massachusetts. They could be in Virginia. It like when you add the backstory and the lore, 
like they are in a living, breathing world that comes to life. It has it has its own history. It has its own culture, its own society. Um, what I really like, I think the, the book that did it the best that I've ever seen with the backstory, well, obviously the Lord of the Rings, if you're going to go for fantasy, you're going to sure. Lord of the Rings, but, um, the game of Thrones books, a song of ice and fire, that series has been awesome for that. The lore where, where, with, um, Lord of the Rings is much more high fantasy. It's much more, you know, elves and dwarves and stuff like that. But, uh, the world of of um, the world of song a song in ice and fire, uh, those books could have it, it. You could totally have imagined a parallel world where dragons and ice creatures live, but with all of these things happening, with all this backstory and different societies and 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 um, states forming you could very easily picture it here. And I, I genuinely think that the Witcher has uh, much of the same traits. I think both, both G- um, George R. R. Martin and Andre Sapkowski subscribe to that school of uh, you take the middle ages of our world and you just kind of apply fantastical elements to it rather than reimagining and re-envisioning a, a fictitious fantasy world. Uh, it's kind of got, it's got a lot of, a lot of influences to it. I mean, the role of the Witcher, if you look at the, the role of the Witcher, um, I wrote in my notes that, um, he is, uh, half knight, half magician. And, um, like maybe like a sprinkling of bounty hunter in there, maybe more than a sprinkling. Maybe it's more like a um, thirds uh, of each one. But I mean, he he really does fulfill the role of a medieval knight when you think about it. However, the contrast is that he is whereas whereas middle age, age knights in the middle ages were generally respected and renowned by society. He is very much looked down upon and scorned for the work that he does. Um, despite the fact that he is keeping people safe and protecting them. Um, so it's, it's, it's all about taking, it's about taking the, the elements in this world that are on the border or on the boundary of the fantastical and just kind of pushing them over the edge into fantastical. Well, and, and I agree with you and I really do want to dig in, into the Witcher, um, specifically the, as, as a, as a character type, but, um, I agree with you, and I think you, you do want to take relatable themes. One one thing I wrote down, a theme I really, really enjoyed in the book was the idea that a, a man who trains all his life for a job that might no longer be there. And like to me, that was a really fascinating, and I like that part of the book. What I'm saying is, don't take it so far with the fantasy aspect. Like, Focus on the human story and not these unnecessary details. You kind of said, well, that's how it's like in the real world. I don't go around saying, this is my friend Matt of the House Mariani. His father <laughs> is named this and his mother is named this. And he's from this town. And and his next door neighbor was this guy. And then it's like, it's just such a weird way to add all of this detail. And I, I get the idea of world building, but I have a limit. Okay. And this book for me, re- cross that. Because I just think they really took it too far in some respects. See, for, for a fantasy book, I thought they were pretty light but on that. But that's why I don't. But that's why, honestly, when you when you suggest this book, I'm like, this seems like quote unquote light fantasy, but then quotations. That this 
once again reminded me why you will never get me to read hardcore fantasy books because it's just not going to fucking happen. I will make that very clear because yeah, this this is pretty light if you're going to go into fantasy. I, mean, I can't do it. I can't. I don't do think it. the the backstory is is kind of. I found it to be very unobtrusive. There are fantasy books that I have read where they do nothing but expound on the world yep. for pages and pages and like they devote entire. Like the first half of the chapter will be describing the state Intricate of details, Ravinia yeah. and like, you know, who who the king is and who his son is and their policies and how they've affected the world. And and I find that really interesting. That's where we definitely differ as readers. Um, I could read that and, and, and just really kind of put myself in that world and, and, and breathe it in and, and kind of. Uh, imagine the effects of of you know certain certain policies and aspects of that society, but uh, it sounds to me like you just view that as a giant waste of time. No, it's just it just it just you just streamline it. That's all. It just clogs up the book. Just <laughs> streamline it. And you know that's one of the things I have about all of these fantasy worlds. Like seem super similar, and I kind of you know they're all the, that D and D type you know, fantasy world, and I get that. But, like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, you know what would make a really cool story? This in a more modern setting. Because I, I, it's just, and I know this is a me preference, I just am not a fan of that sort of Middle Ages-esque fantasy settings, but, you know, the medieval type. But I'm like, this idea of a world invaded by magic and creatures, they create a quote-unquote weapon, a man, a witcher, to, to fight trained from a young age in a world that may no longer need them, a world that's changing. You've got this interesting character who, as you mentioned, is, is, a, is, is for hire. Hard to call him a hero, but really the book wants you to, to make him out to be a hero, which I think in some respects is okay. An interesting guy, a quippy guy. I was reading this, especially being short stories. I was like, this would make a really good video game. I totally get it. Like, makes a lot of sense. A movie, a TV show, I totally get it. This is a really intriguing character. I just didn't care for the fantasy aspect of it. That was where you lost me. So I liked the book. Uh, well, I'm not. Let me rephrase that because we're not going to get to the end yet. I liked the character. I liked the arc in the short stories, at least. I just struggled with the fantasy aspect. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and you know, this it all, it all comes down to preference for sure. sure. I mean, sure. No. Say, I think I think you're absolutely right in saying for a fantasy book, I think this was relatively well done. I didn't think it was overwhelming for a fantasy fan. Um, I certainly thought that the individual stories were were quite good. I had some I liked more than others, and maybe we can get into that now if there were any particular ones you wanted to mention. But um, I, I did think there was value added to the short story aspect of this book because... We got to see a lot of different aspects of the character in different situations, meet different characters. Um, I don't know. Were, were there any of the short stories in particular you really liked or, or perhaps didn't care for? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, the The story that I liked the best, but I also found at the same time the most flawed because it, they didn't really go. It didn't really go anywhere. Yep. Was the story where Geralt meets the. Um, the monster guy, the guy who, who was transformed into a, mo he had like the head of a giant bear or something. Mm -hmm. Remember he's, he like stumbles on the abandoned or he thinks is like an abandoned mansion and yeah, he's that, walking through and he meets this guy and the guy is like really mean to him at first, but then they he kind of befriends him. Um, 
And then he talks, the guy talks about how he is basically cursed, but, uh, he he managed to kind of twist it to his advantage because he, ha- he now has the um, the local uh, farmers are bringing him um, their their daughters to kind of appease him I think and 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 keep it like so that he won't attack them or attack their village or something like that. Um, I thought that was a great story, but it, it didn't really seem to go anywhere. Like how what how did that story conclude? I don't really remember if it did. I think Geralt just kind of leaves, right? No, he, um, during the fight, so that story, uh, in the book called A Grain of Truth, I called it Beauty and the Beast, um, because <laughs> that's basically what it was. Um, during the fight, the monster character, um, I'm not gonna bother doing names because I can't really pronounce them well, um, impales the, the bat creature on a pole, so, uh, Geralt, uh, can finish it off, um, but, uh, before he finishes off the creature, um, the creature, the female creature, confesses her love for the monster character, which breaks breaks the curse. But that's then it kind of right. just that's... ends. It doesn't really say if they kind of fall in love or. Mm-hmm. That's th- what I mean. Yeah, there was there's no, not a ton of resolution. It seemed I agree. like much resolution, but um, I, I found that really that was a really interesting story because it it kind of did explore the idea of what is a monster and you know, like you said very very beauty and the beast and disney-esque but well, done in a, in a nice in a nice um different way i, I thought the, the male monster creature uh Nivellen, uh was uh was was well written i thought he was well written in this in this vignette um i because i thought it was compelling telling his backstory and of course he lived in the fantasy mansion where anything he imagined sort of appeared and i just think it created an interesting visual of this just normal somewhat man with this this horrific appearance um i, I agree I, I agree this was probably one of my favorite in, in in the book um despite its its lack than uh lack of compelling ending yeah um another story i enjoyed was the first i think it was the first story that Geralt t- tells it's yeah, the uh, the voice of reason with the striga yes a voice of reason the straight yeah striga yeah striga striga i don't know how to pronounce it but we're gonna um, get a lot of yeah. stuff wrong tonight. I would. Uh, the Striga is the uh, daughter of the king, and that's not really a spoiler. You know, you know that in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and uh, the king commissions Geralt to break the curse, to try to do anything he can, providing that he does not kill her. Right? The king does not want the the daughter to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Geralt uses his witcher i think this is really the i like this story because it's the first time you see Geralt using his witcher abilities and his witcher skills and and like just all around not not just with with um the the physical the physicality and the dexterity but also with deception like he's able to deceive the striga into coming out of the coffin um and uh do you remember how that one ends? How that one's I, concluded? Luckily, the Wikipedia is very detailed. If you don't want to buy the book, <laughs> read the Wikipedia. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, he kills it um, mm-hmm. successfully. Um, mm, damn it. Uh, I shouldn't be scanning this while we're doing the show. But... Um, yeah, he, ki- he kills the Striga... Uh, and I believe that I just remember he get him. It's like very thankless. 
Well, yeah, right? he, get, he gets kind of... he gets cut very aggressively on the on the throat, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and he, and he, he survives. I just remember him. He does basically everything he can in his power to not kill it. Like Correct. he's tried pretty much everything, and and he really doesn't have have much of a choice. He, he does he does return the monster to an ordinary little girl, um, who's mm-hmm. a little slow because she's been a monster for all of her life. But um, but at the last second, cuts him, so she survives as you know the curse is broken. So he essentially wins at the end, but he is he is badly hurt. Um. So he, yeah, he gets he gets his reward, and then he's just kind of he's very much just dismissed and sent on his way. Yep. Uh, and and that's really the recurring theme in all of these books, and not just. Uh, the books, but also the video game as well, is just that being a witcher is a very thankless job. You know, you're you're compensated in in coin, and that's about it. You know, you're just kind of constantly told to get on your way, to get out of there, to just leave. There, these are these are are men and women that um are not considered heroes by any by any stretch, or if they are, it's they're not really given a hero's uh, welcome or hero's embrace by anybody in this world. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to touch on uh, something that you brought up that I, I really liked. And it it uh, made me remember the – the um, I, so I read this book on my Kindle and the one, the one section of the book – sometimes I'll go through and usually with nonfiction I'll highlight things and notes to, to go back and read it. Again, I think the only thing that I found um, worth highlighting in this in this book was uh, the quote from I think it's one of the peasants or something that Geralt encounters on his way, and he says, "Do you know what? Do you know what is? Do you know what? Why I would never be a witcher, or what I would never? Why the reason I'd never be a witcher is." Mm-hmm. Every time you do your job uh, and and kill a monster, that's one less monster in the world. Uh, and this world is is it, this is a world that is already seeing fewer and fewer monsters. And basically, it's it's a you know it's a job that is eliminating itself, right? Well, they tell they 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 have the great couple of mini sentences in there where they talk about the the bridge troll that is terrible but they end up paying him because it's cheaper because the uh, troll maintains the bridge and there's the the sort of one of the last uh, dragon type creatures but um a king or a count's daughter has become so enthralled with it no one can kill it because it's essentially a pet at this point and i thought those were really sort of poignant stories of a world adapting and changing to 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 meet these challenges that have befallen it, and I really appreciated those moments. Sure, yeah, like the, uh, you know, there might be evil spirits in this graveyard, but the evil spirits are keeping the grave robbers away, um, so that people's tombs don't get robbed and uh, things like that. Uh, it, it's it is it really does tell you the story of a society that. Um, a society that has learned to adapt. And I wonder how much of that, you know, adapting to bad situations, how much of that comes from Andre's own experiences living in Soviet era Poland. Interesting. You know, um, kind of develop, you know, living in a, see, this is where you take the fantasy and you're able to apply it to reality. 
yep. and kind of see where the influences are. And I wonder if uh, I wonder if that was a major influence. We had uh, if we had Andre on the show, <laughs> we had Mr. Sepkowski on the show. I would I would love to ask him that question. Um, you know, yeah. is, is this where the influences came from? Learning how to adapt to a bad situation or a, a not ideal situation, and and being able to thrive and persevere. It's a very it's a very quintessential Eastern European. Uh, attitude and Eastern European um, uh, way of living life, you know, constantly being able and needing to adapt to ever, ever changing and, and worsening situations. Absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's really a major theme throughout this book. Now that I think about it and, and throughout the, the book the, I'm, I'm on the third book now, it's, it's equally the same way. That's more about coexistence. Uh, the book is about, is called, blood of elves and it's about li- you know living in a word a world peaceably with dwarves and elves and humans and the dwarves hate the humans but the elves also hate the humans but the humans like the dwarves it's very very complicated well, it that- deals with with uh, ethnocentricity well you know as soon as as soon as i found out that this while being the first book wasn't the first book, you know, the first novel uh, in the series, it kind of got me excited because, you know, there is something very appealing about this world, the the world they've created where I think it would be very easy to create just a straightforward fantasy environment. But I just think the, the, I think the, 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 the Geralt, Geralt is a very uh, interesting character to follow. And I just think this, concept uh you know one example so we're talking about the sort of short stories we liked i think my favorite or certainly one of my favorite a question of price uh which was the short story with queen calanthe and prevetta and dunny um where he is asked to go undercover to a fancy party um where the princess is giving her hand in marriage and i thought some of the the sort of quippy wordplay maybe quippy is generous but some of the wordplay between the queen and and our our witcher character i just thought it was very fun to read and it was it was it was a very appealing if it, it felt awfully casual for such a i would describe formal world where there seemed to be a lot of rules in place um it did seem like a more modern character um in the way it was written i was worried in some of the earlier stories i felt it was a little more formal and by the time we got to this story it was a little a little even funny at moments uh clever um I, there were twists i think a little bit in this story as well when we're revealed who who the monster is in this story and that's what i really liked was was that this book was able to surprise me throughout and it really made me leaving wanting more from this world. And maybe doing short stories is a good way to do that because it gives you a lot of tastes of a lot of things. Um, but I think it was really successful in that respect. Yeah. Um, if and, and they're starting to do this a little bit more in the third book that I'm reading. But you do get a taste of it in the first two books as well, especially in that scene with the meeting the queen is that – you 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 encounter different um, different human cultures too. Like mm-hmm. you know, the culture of Rodania is not the culture of the Nilfgaardians, and the uh, you have the other people that live in the Skellige Islands that are like basically Celts, like Celtic Vikings, and they have their own culture and attitude and um, 
and customs. And, and I, I like that. And, uh, and you definitely see that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to visualize that in, in something like a movie or a video game or, or a TV show. And it's, it's a lot harder than it might seem to capture that in a, in a book. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, Mr. Sapkowski does that very well. Um, uh, and, uh, he's, he's able to, to really differentiate the societies and the, and the worlds, the, the, the people of the worlds of, of this, this environment, this, this universe. So now, uh, Matt, Wikipedia tells me a fun fact. You may be interested to know this. Uh, in 2011, Polish prime minister, Donald Tusk gave us president Barack Obama diplomatic presents as his custom on his visit to Poland. One of them, a signed copy of the last wish. Yeah. Um, I believe he also gave him the video game. And I, I bet he, I bet he plays it all the time. Well, so the the funny thing was he he gave him. I remember him giving them the gift basket that had the book, and I think it had The Witcher three in it, or if I'm, I'm not mistaken. And um, both of them were signed. And Barack Obama, upon reception of the gift, joked with the uh, ambassador, "You know, thank you so much for the gift. Unfortunately, though, I have a Wii." Uh huh. Because you know, it's it's only it was only for Xbox, and I don't think I think it was for basically everything but we. So it was a a funny moment from uh, from President Obama. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, this book, you know, speaking about about that gift in particular, this book, Poland sees this book as a, a like one of its one of its most renowned cultural exports. You know, it's it's. Uh, They've kind of really rallied around this this story uh, as kind of their story, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Sapkowski is one of their greatest modern modern authors. Uh, he's very celebrated in Poland, uh, very respected, and um, they they see this book as as kind of sharing their uh, sharing their culture with the world. So it's a, it's a cultural export for them, and I think that's awesome. I, I don't think you really, I don't think you really see that too much with with fantasy novels. I mean, I can't really think of it, a fantasy novel that accomplished this for a for a country mm-hmm. as like specifically. This is kind of unique that that this has done this. So, um, it's just really neat to see. Agreed. Um, one thing I was a little disappointed in, nobody ate pierogies in the book, Sean. Yeah, you Didn't know, man, any pierogies being very eaten. devoid of, of Polish stereotypes. I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Although I will say, like I said, as I was reading it, it reminded me a lot of the girl, uh, with the dragon tattoo in the respect, stay with me, uh, with respect that it felt like a book that had not been written in English. And, and as I, w- I was trying, cause I didn't do any research on the book before I started reading it other than knowing it was, ba- it was connected to the video game. Um, but I didn't know the country it was from or any of that. And I was reading through it and I'm like, I, as I was reading like the types of monsters and the names of them, I'm like, all right, this is, it's European. And I kept trying to like figure out like what, and at first I was like, is it like, scandinavian or 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 like what is it and eventually i got to polish uh but you can tell reading it i mean that you're absolutely right that you can tell it pulls from the sort of the myths and the stories of of that sort of um of that region and of that culture for sure it's it's very clear as you're reading it 
very heavily it's heavy on the eastern european influences which i think is really cool because every every other fantasy novel that i've ever read has has been very much western europe and uh you know you know the 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 myths and legends of of england or france or you know the scotland ireland like you know we we've read that germany many many times but um you know really Eastern Europe has gone pretty much untouched by this genre, at least in the mainstream. So it's, it was, it was cool to see. Um, the only other book I can think of that kind of gave kudos to the, the myths and legends of, of Eastern Europe. Um, and it was not the main focus, but it was, it was definitely well, very well done was Neil Gaiman's American gods. Mm-hmm. Another really, really fantastic book. Um, we might have to do that a future, a future book talk on that. Sure. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely discussion at length. A lot of the main themes and main characters are um, divinities from Eastern European myth. It's just it's cool to see. It's cool. To, it's cool to see uh, to see that that area being represented. Now, uh, Matt, I think I think we're to the point of the show where I get to ask you this question, which is I think most people listening probably know of The Witcher from the video game series, the popular video game series, uh, over 40 million copies sold in the U.S., um, immensely popular. Uh, have you played the video game? Um, I have played the third video game. Which I think is the most famous of the, the three. three. Yeah. It's, it was definitely the bestseller. It was definitely the... Um, the gold star child of this, of the series. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's fair or not. I, I can't judge at all. Cause I haven't, I haven't even seen the first two games played, but I, I heard they weren't very good. Um, or at least very different from the third one, the third, um, the third one. Um, what I've seen in the books as opposed to the games is, um, so the games let you make these decisions that are – they're very much um, – I can't remember. The Faustian? What's the right adjective? Where where basically where, where nothing you, you do is going to lead to a good outcome. Sure. It, it's very much like – you know, I, damned I, if you're do, damned if you don't. Yeah, Every I, decision. I think that's the bummer principle. Pretty much, yeah. Very much a catch twenty two. Uh, you, you know, there, there are the side. Qu- one of the side quests might involve you um, going to, to. One of the main side quests involves uh, you go to this baron of this this the, this manor. Yep. And um, his uh, son is afflicted with this disease. This like. Very much like in the book. However, it's your kind of your decision, like what to do in that situation. Like you let him live, or do you kill? If you well, if you turns out if you let him live, like he kills basically everybody on the manor. But if you if you decide to kill him, the the baron gets depressed and hangs himself. Like it's very much a you can't. There's there's no good outcomes to anything. There's another situation where. Um, there's an evil spirit that's trapped in a tree, mm-hmm. right? And the evil spirit t- starts speaking to you and it says, you know, let me out of this tree. I've been cursed to 
stay here, an evil witch put a curse on me. Let me out. Let me out. I, I need to leave. I've been in this prison in this tree for hundreds of years. Um, and of course you say like, you know, I'm a hero. I'm a good person. So I'm going to let this, I'm going to let this spirit out of the tree, which is pretty much the decision that I think 90% of us would make. So you let it out of the tree and it goes, ah, I'm going to go take my revenge on everybody. And, and basically you find out that the witch imprisoned him in the tree because he was an insane, like bloodthirsty warlord that awesome killed a bunch of people. And then he, his spirit goes crazy and kills a whole bunch of people. It's really very much like very hard decisions. And until you realize like, no matter what I do, everybody's fucked. And, um, that's the bottom, the main principle with Witcher three. Um, it is really cool. I must say seeing the, uh, the inverse of what typically happens. Cause usually with any kind of popular video game, you know, the books are designed to piggyback off of the success of the video game, Halo, yep. Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, all of the, you know, the books are written after the game to, to, to try to jump on that success and, and milk that franchise for all it's got. And this is really, this is the complete inverse where we see a video game that is entirely based on the books and both of them have achieved relative success, I would say. so. And, and, and I am shocked because if you had handed me the video game and the book and without any prior knowledge you said which came first, I would have definitely said the video game because the book reads like a video game. I mean, it reads in a way where you're like, I want to play this guy. Like, I want to <laughs> I want to participate. Like, this is this is really neat. And Isn't I, it? Yeah. It's it's really just hard to believe that the book came out in what 1991 or 92, like yeah. very early. Like uh you you definitely would have believed the game came first, just the way that it's worded and um yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a total no-brainer and I've never played the video game. Uh, I did go on Steam before the show because I was curious, and they had it on sale for 20 bucks. so I bought it, and I'll let you know how uh -huh. that goes. Okay. As someone who never plays... So I don't read fantasy books, and I never play video games, so this will be fun. Um, yeah. And I'll report I'm just warning you, it's, it's a long game. Yes. So we'll probably be... I'll, I'll be asking you, how is Witcher 3, like, 10 years from now? Oh, you may not be done with it. I'll be bored I've with never it long before it. that. I, I've honestly... I've never finished it. I bought it... Um, feel like ages ago and uh it's a long game but it, it it's pretty cool it's fun and the the way that the characters interact is is neat to see um i do recommend keep reading the books the third book is is where it starts getting interesting with the storyline it, it it's a definitely a good story arc and it it go, really goes places and i i'd be i'd be curious to see your takes on it just because um I think that you really hit on the, you hit on the the high notes. Uh, some things that I didn't even pick up on, like the the queen, um, being very much like a modern, a more modern character. Uh, yeah, than I mean, else. I think one of the, when we talk about all the short stories in this book, probably my least favorite or one of my least favorite was the Striga story. And while I think it had the best action of the book in his sort of confrontation there what i didn't like was it had some of the stronger traditional fantasy elements to it you know the the cursed daughter and the that weird incest thing that all fantasy books do that i still don't quite understand why that is um it, it just it felt so fantasy to me right off the bat and i really 
I, I made a, a, what was my note in here that I thought was really funny? One of my first notes was like, by page seven, I was already confused by people and places. So um, I didn't think it was a strong start. And then as you get into those later stories, um, it felt a little more approachable uh, to me. And so I thought that was a big improvement as the book went on. Now, uh, Matt, we're getting to the part of the show where we have to give our final thoughts and then we use our traditional, I would say patent pending, but it's a scale that's been around forever, uh, judgment scale, uh, unless we want to mix it up this time, of uh, skip it, uh, borrow it, or own it. Um, would, would you like to go first or should I? Um, I'll go first. Okay. I, I think uh, this book this book could be a borrow it book. I don't, I don't see that... Uh, you may not you may not want to read it over and over again. I can't say the same for the other books in the series, though. Um, so far from what I'm reading, I really like the third book, and and I would say you know go ahead and own it for sure. Um, because the the only way I would say to own this one would be if you were gonna like read it to your kids or something. But there's some messed up stuff, like you mentioned, the incest and the people getting beheaded and 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 and. Uh, Lots of nasty stuff I that mean, you probably I, shouldn't read to your kids. I, I'm, a, I'm a 27-year-old man, and I could barely follow the book. I can't imagine <laughs> a child reading this. So, It'd be great to do the voices. I, I feel like every there's a lot of, a lot of unique voices. A kid's are, version of this book would be good, just not this book. Yeah. Um, I wonder how that would look, a kid's version. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would say, I would say I borrow it. What's your, what's your thoughts? You know, Matt, uh, to me, this, the, the sort of like two sentence synopsis of this book is awesome. Like, I love the core idea of this book. I love the idea of a witcher. I love the idea of this style of world. I love the idea of even doing it as short stories, I think is really interesting. But I, and I, I wrote this in, in my notes as I was reading it and I'll read it. Uh, verbatim for you here not that it's a long sentence but um, it seems like it could have been a home run but instead he hit a double and that's what it felt like to me like this feel, and that's why I'm actually before I knew it switched to a narrative format in a couple books I was like I'm not going to read any more of these now I kind of want to because it's like maybe that's where things really kick into gear and, and the improvements come in because this book on its own, I think it's a fine read. I think fans of fantasy will really enjoy it. I would say if you're not generally a fan of fantasy, it's hit or, you know fine to pick up. I judge a book. I was thinking about the books we've read in the book club before and a book like devil in the white city or console wars, even ready player one to some degree was a book I couldn't put down. It was a book that kept me engaged and I'm like, what's going to happen next? What, Ready Player One I read in like one day because I'm like, this is really, for all the problems it had, it was exciting. This book, it was like, I definitely could put this down. Like there was nothing about it where I'm like dying to know what happens next. And I think I think that's just a flaw in its its narrative structure. And I think it's kind of just a flaw in, in the fantasy style. And that's okay. I agree. It's probably a borrow it more so for fans of fantasy. Um... But uh, I, I thought it was a good book. I thought it was it was relatively well written, especially for something translated into English. Um, and I thought it, it was definitely a solid in my sort of grand rankings of all the books we've done, which maybe I'll keep doing these as we go through and add more to them. But I would say my from best to worst, Console Wars, Devil in the White City, probably 1A, 1B, probably my two favorites up there. Probably Devil edges a little bit out. I would say right below that, 
is probably Ready Player One, then The Last Wish, and then like way off the fucking chart into the depths of hell is <laughs> of Dyson Men. Men. And I think Ready Player One just edges it out for me because while I think The Last Wish is better written and is more intelligently, like more is a smarter book, it just wasn't as interesting for me as Ready Player One was. Sure. Um, I think it also helps that Ready Player One is is kind of in its in a genre all its own, right? I mean, well, it's a genre I can connect to. That's that's where I and this is again, this is my kind of per, this is my, it is my personal opinion. But for me, I can more relate to. They're both fantasy books in a way, right? Um, maybe sure. More sci-fi, but nonetheless, I can relate to Ready Player One. I can't relate to this book. That and that's where I struggled. Gotcha. Um, it's, it's hard to, what I like about fantasy books is that, you know, it it is very hard to find the relatability at first glance, like skimming the surface. Totally. But if you do something like you read really in depth, like, you know, like the, like the, the passage that, that you may, you know, very easily have read over the first time where they talk about how the Witcher is like a job that is kind of ending itself. I mean, you can you can somehow tie that to maybe if not your experience the experience of somebody in this world i mean look at you know look at um look at i can't think of a good example but there's there's got to be examples out there of of a of a job that is kind of designed to eliminate itself theoretically i guess you know, the first thing that comes to mind is a doctor or something like they're, they're supposed to cure diseases. And, but if they cured all diseases and came up with all all the cures, they wouldn't have a purpose anymore. So, you know, then it becomes more practical. Like, do they treat the symptoms rather than cure the disease? Because that's more profitable, but but I think those interesting ideas get lost in the short story format. That's the issue where if I, if there had been a book about do a prequel, What's Witcher school like? How do you become a Witcher? That could be a really interesting story. I, I know that la- the later books are... Um, they definitely the, touch on that. Are, are, the, are, Her- are Geralt and Yennefer, and they're palling around, and they're doing things like... I, I, wrote, I wrote towards the end of my notes, I said, um, this book spends way too much time on everything but the two most interesting characters, Geralt and Yennefer. Like, that is you lose those themes because you're not featuring these characters. You're featuring a world of stuff about dandelion. Even that He's a pretty like, interesting character. very interesting. He doesn't come in until the second half of the book. I think like, it's if, the last, if, it's probably the I think believe it's the last short story it, it, that, the, it, that he tells. And Yennefer too comes in in the last short story. If I had read only the first third of this book and you had said, Sean, this is the book, I would have chucked it out a window because it was like, <laughs> it was so flat and then it just got better as the book went on as you started. It just took that long for the themes to start kicking in and the interesting characters to start kicking in. Like I said, Yennefer doesn't come in until the end of the book and I don't know. I felt was, I felt that was a bit of a mess. I think with a little bit of restructure, I felt that like this was a book that when they translated it, they really should have had an English author actually not rewrite it, but actually go in and craft it, you know, craft it around a little bit. And I think it, that could have helped it. Um, I think the translation gets better. I want to say it does. Um, well, the, I'm sure he as an author book, gets better too. I mean, this was, yeah, this was his first book. So it was, I got, yeah. So in, in that way I, I like its rawness. So may, maybe I might change mine from, 
uh, borrow to keep because I do like the rawness of it and and it's worth keeping just so when you get to the end of the series you can go back and look at look at how he's evolved that as an author yeah. I think that that could that could for me push it over the edge to to keep but that's what um, it is for for buy books for me where it's like will I ever reread this book and just the, uh, you know may, again maybe I would change my mind but right this now this one like, I don't know I I would probably I would speed read it again just to like when I get to the end of the series just oh you to could like, get through oh, it quickly wow, how much it's changed it's yeah. an easy it really is it did not take me that long to read I mean it's really not the, the, the like I can't imagine what the word the fonts are good pretty good size so it's not like it's, it's a super breezy. tough read yeah one or two sittings like it's it's a breezy book yeah. uh. But by the third book, like he's got the banter down. He's got, you know, there are a lot. There's a lot more humor injected throughout. Um, the characters are definitely more relatable. So he does. I think he really does evolve as an author. Um, this was this was very much more about establishing the world. Um, but even on that, I think he could have. I th- I think he could have gone more in depth. You you don't. I don't think you want that. But. Um, I thought he could have gone even more deep with the with the world. I think he was trying – it felt like he was holding back. And that yeah. I wrote that in my notes too. I felt like he was holding back in you know, really letting this world come to life. A lot of the things it seems like he ends just a little bit too soon describing certain people or, yep. or places. So um, – all I can say is that I very I'm very much enjoying the third one now, definitely more so than than the first book or the second. Um, but it's an interesting format. It's, to it's, try a, to, you know. it's worth I would say it's worth reading. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't rush to do it. I don't. I don't think it. you have to own it. But it's definitely. I don't think you'll get to the end of it and be like, God, this was a waste of time. Like, no. I if anyone was going to say that, it would be me, and I didn't say that. So. <laughs> Um, I would say this is a, a successful book club pick, Matt. Congratulations. Cool. So now I'm what? Two for three? Yeah, you're two for three, and I am uh, one for one because I've only ever picked one. So, <laughs> uh, but which I think means might mean the next one's mine, but I have no idea. Better get started. What we're going to read. The promise, I just, I genuinely, and this book reminded me why I just, I'm not a big fiction guy. I really, I really love it's funny because before before we talked about doing this book, what two weeks ago, last week, um, I had started on a nonfiction book already, and as I was reading The Last Wish, I kept being like, I really just want to read my other nonfiction book. Like it, it's <laughs> it's kind of it's bad in that respect, but I'll I'll look into my 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 bookshelf and see what we can pull out. We'll certainly do more of these goes time as time goes on. And like I said, I'm going to try the game as well, uh, and so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but if anyone out there has suggestions for books you'd like us to read, we would for sure like to hear them. Uh, please let us know. TV at gmail.com is our email address, or you can tweet at us at TV on Twitter. Um, we uh, have a website, TV. You can go there, get all the past episodes, including the past book club episodes, which are always a lot of fun. Uh, get caught up as you hear us talk about these books. You can also uh, get the video version on YouTube and get the audio version wherever you get podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, really anywhere. Just search up for debate. And um, yeah, I think that's just about all the plugs. Matt, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Um, no, not really. I think that just about that just about does it uh, over here. Um, 
I think if if I lived in this world, I would want to be just about. I also wrote this in my notes on the bottom. Uh, if I lived in this world, I would like to be just about anything but a Witcher. Yeah, it is. Kind of, it's a it's a real. It's kind of like um, I kind of think of it like uh, animal control. Is is in our yeah. world where it's like it's a necessary job, but I can't imagine anyone gets excited to be like, oh, we got a rabid raccoon in the dumpster. Call animal control. <laughs> like, you, you know. don't think there's? Oh boy. Oh boy! I can't we wait to go to work my, today. More get feral my, animals. Yeah, get on my uh, exterminator outfit. Go to town. Yeah, I can't Give even imagine. Pellet gun. Nope. But um but Matt, I think I don't think we'll leave our career as podcasters to go be witchers. I think I think we're we're much more successful no, doing this. It pay, it pays way too well. Yeah, 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 exactly or really anything at all. So um Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks everybody out there for joining us. Uh we appreciate it always. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean, and we will see you next time for more great discussion here on Up for Debate. <laughs>